Trevor Knight is my guest on this edition of Suit Up. Trevor was on top of the world as the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, having been propositioned, if you will, by singing sensation Katy Perry one Saturday morning on ESPN's College Game Day. He then led Oklahoma to a Sugar Bowl victory over Alabama. Then he lost his starting job to one Baker Mayfield, and he transferred to Texas A&M. Prior to his success at Oklahoma, though, there were some dark times with a father who was battling cancer and his parents getting a divorce. We'll have that conversation with Trevor Knight right after this. This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the Park. We are a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike and offers a Sunday evening service at 6 p.m. and Wednesday night we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them and our kids age 1 to 5th grade have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin, the host of this podcast, is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike, or check us out on the web. Yeah, so uh, there's three boys in the Knight family. Uh, me and my twin brother, obviously, who we both played there at Oklahoma together um, prior to me going down to Texas A&M for my last year. Um, and then we've got an older brother. He's just about three years older. His name is Tyler. Um, and so, you know, Connor and I always had somebody to, you know, play with and, and beat up on and those types of things. But where it got really fun is when Connor and I could go and team up and, and gang up on our older brother um, and beat him up until the point where, you know, he grew up a little bit, got a little stronger, and then just beat us to a pulp. But, uh, <laughs> It was an it was an awesome um, it was an awesome childhood. Uh, my parents were amazing parents. Uh, my mom, first grade teacher, so she was always around during the summers, and then uh, she actually taught at the elementary school that we all went to. Um, and then my dad's a dentist, and so when he wasn't saving the world one tooth at a time, he um, he was at home, and we were out in the backyard throwing the football around or hitting the baseball and, you know, all the sports activities growing up. So uh, just a, a wonderful childhood. San Antonio is a great place to grow up, and uh, we just loved every second of it. Now, were you born there too? I was, yes. Okay. Born and raised up until the point uh, that I went up to Norman. Okay. So how, how did you get involved in sports? Was your dad – uh, an athlete at a younger age as well, and sports was a big part of his life, and your mom too, I guess. Uh, or how did you get involved in, in sports? Yeah, you know, sports uh, is obviously a huge part of my story, right? Um, but it goes back to when we were young kids. Um, at probably our second birthday party, we got the little tight basketball goal, and, you know, we were shooting hoops on, you know, home videos on that. Um, you know, my mom used to walk us around in our strollers around the block and we would pick out every basketball goal and, you know, scream it out. It's just something that excited, you know, me and my twin brother as we were growing up. My parents are, are definitely sports people. Uh, my dad, you know, played sports growing up. Um, you know, actually never played football, uh, but he was a basketball player and a tennis player 
as well as a, a drummer in high school. And, and you know, he was just a kind of a typical athlete, right? You know, went, went out for the team, played a little bit in high school, had fun doing it, and then, then nothing after that. My mom was a dancer. Um, her father, so my grandpa, big sports guy. I think he played, you know, men's league softball until he was dang near 70. <laughs> um, and so always had a, 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 an excitement for sports and an interest Um but, you know, it's like anything else as a young kid, um, when you're being molded into who you are as a person, you tend to be drawn things that, number one, that you like, but also number two, that you're that you're relatively good at. And so um, we just kind of grabbed on and loved it and, and parents supported us through that. And uh, we became the little the little uh, sports kids, the little jocks, if you will. So did you go typically from football to basketball to baseball and was it did you excel in all three of those sports or did you since your dad was a tennis player did tennis factor in to your uh, growing up in uh, playing sports yeah so we we pretty much tried out just about everything i remember i would always ask my grandma for um you know sports equipment for christmas because if I was watching the Mighty Ducks on TV, I wanted to be a hockey player. If I was watching, you know, Remember the Titans or whatever the movie was, I wanted to be a football player, right? Like, whatever was on TV, regardless what sport it was, that's what I wanted to do. So, actually, the first sport that I ever played was soccer, because um, you can do it when you're really young. Um, that only lasted a few years because you know, it took a liking to baseball more than that. So, when T-ball started, um, I ended up doing baseball basketball and football and did those all the way through and then you know of course in middle school and high school I ran track also so I was a baseball basketball football and track guy uh, up until the point that you know I left and and went to Norman to uh, play for the Sooners so um, I golf occasionally I play tennis you know occasionally just never anything um, you know super uh, organized it was more of just just fun stuff but we were always pretty good Right. Um, I remember in T-ball, for whatever reason, me and my brother were a little bit bigger than everyone else when we were growing up. And uh, my poor parents had to bring our birth certificate because <laughs> I'm pretty sure my twin brother hit a home run every single at bat. And so it's, it got to be really unfair. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we were always pretty good, which, again, that's I think that's something that you know kind of drives it, right? You don't want to do something that – you're not good at or you're not passionate about. So um, that was kind of how we stayed in um, and, and, and became those sports guys. Did you ever gravitate towards another sport, but you were so good at football that that is, is where you ended up? Were you a, as maybe a better basketball or baseball player? Yeah, you know, I think it went in ways uh, throughout my lifetime. Um, I'd say as a younger kid, basketball was my best sport. Um, and then, you know, going into high school, it was really up in the air whether I was uh, going to get the opportunity to go play football at a high level or go play baseball. And quite frankly, I could have went and done both. Um, and I look back on it now, especially when I get out of the bed in the morning and I'm, you know, <laughs> limping around from all the hits that I took, that baseball might have been a better choice. But it's just kind of the way that, um, that, it, that it ended up happening for me that, you know, Oklahoma called and football was going to be my avenue to continue, you know, my athletic career past high school. But 
Um, yeah, there was times where I thought, you know, I'm going to go play in the MLB. There's other times where I'm like, I'm going to go play in the NHL. Again, it was probably dependent on what uh, what movie was on TV or what uh, game was on TV. But with that being said, football was just kind of the path that it led down for, for post-high school athletics. As a uh, Christian man, you've never shied away from letting people know that you love the Lord and that you are a Christian. Um, were you a church-going family from birth in the night household in San Antonio, or or when did um, uh, that faith start to take root? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned that you know sports plays and and continues to play a huge piece of my of my testimony. Right, um, it is the foundation for how God has used sports to shape my life, and so. Yeah, going back to a young age, we had some friends that uh, that we played on their team, and they invited us to go to um, my home church in San Antonio, Community Bible Church. And uh, before that, my mom was raised Catholic, and so we would just, we would go to the Catholic church. And you know, from a youth program standpoint, it wasn't uh, that involving, and so we just didn't get much out of going to Catholic church. Once we got embedded into CBC. Um, that's where my parents could kind of see our relationship with Jesus take off, right? It was um, it, it was fun for us. We were learning. We were applying. We were um, actually being molded into young Christian men at you know at a young age. And uh, through CBC, we went to their summer camp every year called Camp Tejas, and, uh, and that's where I ended up accepting Christ in my heart uh, at age eleven. And uh, amazing night. Lots of tears, lots of fun. Um, and so we continued to go to CBC, you know, for, for the rest of my time there in San Antonio. So we did go to church um, prior to that, went to Catholic church, you know, probably skipped a few weekends here or there. But once we started going to CBC, that really became a staple and a foundation for our family. Do you remember what it was, Trevor, that uh, kind of, sent you over the edge to commit at age 11? Was there a, a particular uh, incident or moment that you can recall? Yeah, you know, it, we got led in, in a, you know, the prayer of salvation at this camp, and it was that first time that, you know, I had heard that ask before, right? I mean, you sit in church, and um, that invitation is always there. But I had never had that tug on my heart yet. And so when that happened at summer camp, um, I knew that was the time, right? I, I understood in my chest that this was the time that I want to accept Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And so just that feeling, that rush that you get um, in that moment, you know, raising your hand, walking up to the front, knowing that you took this leap uh, is it, a really neat feeling. But as you well know, um, it. It, it doesn't stop there, right? I mean, that's just the beginning. I knew I had Jesus in my heart, but I really still didn't know what that meant. Um, and then God used sports through middle school, through high school, and certainly in college and, and beyond that to really kind of explain to me the gospel, right? Take the gospel, read it, apply it to your life, but then also show me things in my life where I can apply some of the, you know, the scriptures that I've read over the years into true, true real life application. Um, I remember my, my parents actually ended up getting divorced my junior year at Oklahoma. And 
uh, that was an interesting time for me. I had started a couple years, and uh, and just at that time, we fired our offensive staff, brought in head coach Lincoln Riley, and me and Baker Mayfield were battling it out. Well, yes, I was in tune on the field, all those things, but off the field, I was really broken. Um, I was really sad. I, I took it very hard when my parents were going through that, and I remember just stapling James chapter one verses two through four to my to my heart, and I would tell myself that every single day because I I developed an anger in my chest. I developed you know some resentment, um, and I would just tell myself, consider it pure joy when you face the trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Right. So it's not if you face the trials; it's when you face the trials and. Seeing my parents go through that was tough for me. Um, losing my starting position, a very worldly thing, but that was tough for me. But I did. I woke up every day, and I still had joy because of what Jesus was doing in my life and the platform that he was creating. Um, so that's just one of the many stories that, uh, that, that God wrapped his arms around me and, and certainly around my heart and used sports to um, apply those uh, those teachings to my real life. So would that have been 2012 then when your parents split up? I think it was a, it was a couple years after that. I was a freshman in 2012, so I think it was 2014. Okay. Um, 20, 2014 when all that was going on. Well, and that would have been the same year that you lead Oklahoma to victory over Alabama, which is one of those games that – Sooner fans, you know, will never forget, and I think it's it's the game why you know they still hold Trevor Knight, you know, uh, in this lofty position because you were the guy. You had such a great game that particular night to beat Alabama uh, that it's kind of cool because then you go on, you know, you go to Texas A and M and finish out your career. Doesn't matter. OU fans still love Trevor Knight for what you did on that particular night. And uh, and how you led that team that season, but I, but going back to the, your parents' divorce, would you say, Trevor, that that was kind of the first big negative moment uh, that had happened, you know, to you in your life? Uh, I would say it was the second, and and the reason I say that is um, really when I had to start truly applying my uh, faith into my everyday living and lean on something that was much bigger than myself was my senior year of high school. Up until that point, always saw success in sports. I tried to be a good kid. I tried to be the quote, quote, good Christian. Um, but I really just, I, I had never faced any adversity to really test that, right? I, I was in this mindset where, hey, I just want everything to look perfect. Um, and, and I want to look like the good Christian kid. I, I wasn't actually living as the, the good Christian kid knowing that everybody's going through something and it's okay not to be okay. Right. I wasn't doing anything bad. I just, I I didn't ever have to test it out, but my senior year, um, we were moving houses. My parents put our house on the market. We're about to start playoffs of my senior year of football. And we were, so we're moving boxes up and down the stairs. Um, and my, I could, I noticed my mom was really kind of staying close to my dad. She looked deflated. Um, I was kind of getting upset. Why aren't you helping? That kind of thing. You know, we're, we're moving boxes all over the place. And then 
my dad stopped me and my three brothers at the top of the stairs and um, had told us that he went to the doctor that morning and he said, and we're going to fight it. And I didn't know what that meant. Well, dad, what does that mean? Um, and he ended up explaining that uh, he had noticed a bump in his neck while he was shaving and he went and got it tested and, and that he had throat cancer. And so that was the first time where I was like, there is nothing that I can do to make this better. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a healer. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I don't want anything to happen to my dad. God, just wrap your arms around the situation. Make me feel a peace and a joy that surpasses all understanding. And he did. And he, and he allowed me to, um, you know, be encouraging to my dad. Um, and he reminded me just in my chest that it's not about sickness. It's not about, um, you know, the circumstances of this lifetime that he's on his throne and, and eternity is at stake. And cool story back kind of time back to the sports world. Um, I had graduated high school early soon after that diagnosis and I was going to go up to Norman early, do an early enrollee deal. Well, numbers didn't work out, and so long story short, I didn't get to go up there early, but what that allowed me to do was sit at home, um, work out, put on some good weight, but I also got to sit with my dad at all of his cancer treatments. Um, we had amazing life talks. We had amazing talks about our faith, um, and, I, and I truly believe that some of those conversations were a um, an uplifting time for my dad, right? I mean, things, conversations that he needed to keep pushing through these chemotherapy treatments. So really neat how God just showed up in some of these circumstances and said, hey, I know it seems bad. You're in the middle of a storm, but there is sunshine at the end of this. That's awesome. So what's the update on your dad? My dad uh, ended up doing a very difficult um, treatment of chemo. He had six rounds of chemo. Um, and then he did six weeks of radiation, got really, really sick. They had to put a feeding tube in, of course, cause it was, you know, throat cancer mm-hmm. and, um, he ended up beating it. He came out and they were going to do surgery to remove the rest, but, uh, the, the chemo and the radiation was so intense that, uh, it essentially just evaporated everything wow. in his esophagus. So, um, so praise God for that. Yep. Um, he is going on almost 10 years of remission. So, and he's doing really well. That's awesome. That's always good. That's always good to hear those stories. I recently had a pretty bad uh, bout with COVID and I will tell you that, uh, it was a near death experience for me and it brought, uh, me and, and, uh, my daughter closer together through it. And it was a real blessing, mm-hmm. um, as I had come out of that. Uh, with her, so let's let's fast forward a little bit here. Now you've you've made the decision to go to Oklahoma. Uh, you redshirt your freshman year. You get the starting nod your second year, and then uh, some things start to happen. Uh, Baker Mayfield, as you mentioned already, uh, comes into the picture at Oklahoma. Interestingly enough, um, Kyler Murray uh, is now at Texas A and M University. Uh, while you're at Oklahoma, you have this great game against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl uh, to defeat the Crimson Tide. You're really kind of on top of the world, and then things kind of came crashing down in just a a few months. Talk about how you were able to handle uh, that transition from being starter 
to back up at Oklahoma behind Mayfield? Yeah, you know, my dream was to always play college football. For whatever reason, it was college football and not NFL football. And that dream obviously morphed over time. And, of course, you know, I wanted to go play in the NFL. But the opportunity to be named a starter at a school like Oklahoma was just a check off the list, right? I mean, that was that was my deal. That was what I laid in bed at night and hoped and wished for. And so uh, just as a competitor – right? Getting to do that and then having that taken away from you, it was tough. It was really, really tough on me um, just not being the guy anymore. And, and on top of that, all the pressures that come with playing college football, I mean, you're in, the, you're in the spotlight, you know, especially at a place like Oklahoma where we've got such great fans that are, that are very intentional and intense about, you know, Sooner football. It, there was some embarrassment there, right? Um, man, I, I just, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to walk around campus because it's embarrassing how I, you know, got demoted essentially. All, all these different pressures. Um, I was lucky enough, though, to have a group of people surrounding me that continued to pour into me, um, that continued to pray with me, um, that continued to just be that uh, forearm in the back uh, pushing me forward whenever I wanted to feel sorry for myself. And uh, one of those was my roommate, and he's still coaching at Oklahoma under uh, under Coach Riley. His name's Ty Darlington. We met uh, at our official visit. We hit it off, and that dude is one of the most solid Christian men um, that I've ever been around, and certainly in my foxhole um, in this thing that we call life. And then him and I would go every single Wednesday to a coffee shop on Main Street in Norman called Michelangelo's, and um, we would sit down with our college pastor. Uh, his name is Adam Barnett, who now he's the head pastor um, at uh, Redeemer Church there in Tulsa in the Jinx area. Uh, but we would go sit in this coffee shop, and he would just you know, walk us through the gospel and disciple us and pray for us. And there'd be some times where we'd get through kind of our objective for the day, these scriptures that we're reading, right? And then there's other days where, hey, I just got beat out, right? Um, I'm, I'm down in the dumps. Let's talk about what this means in terms of uh, eternity, not just here in the moment. And it was cool. I'd look back on those Wednesdays, and I, and I see times of, like you said, on a mountaintop. Hey, we just won the Sugar Bowl. Things are going well. How are you going to use this to extend the kingdom, right? We always pray for in, uh, increased influence and increased territory. Well, it's cool to see that happen after, you know, a Sugar Bowl win where you get offers and requests to come speak at, at FCAs all around the state, right? Developing this cool platform. And then and there's times, like I just mentioned, where, hey, I'm not the starter, or hey, I played really bad, or hey, I have a you know, a bummed shoulder, and I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. How can we use this to increase our territory and ex- extend our uh, um, uh, extend our, our platform for, for Jesus? So uh, I was lucky in those times to have people surrounding me that uh, continue to push me towards the gospel. So not too many people out there uh, know exactly what Spencer Rattler is going through right now at Oklahoma, but you're one of the few that that understand. That's right. Yeah, I, I feel bad for him. Um, 
right? It, it's not easy to go through. You're a guy that you're coming in your preseason, basically write your ticket on the Heisman Trophy, and you're you know you're staring millions of dollars down the you know down the pipe here. Um, if you play well, you're going to get drafted first overall, and all these different things, right? Everybody wants to pat you on the back, and now we're sitting in the middle of of his storm, right? He, he's mm-hmm. sitting in his storm. He's sitting here not even playing, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the country, in my opinion. So he's, he's just not playing because he's, he, for, for the, whatever reason, he, where he's at right now, he's not supposed to be doing it. So what I'm, I'm looking forward to see, and I, and I pray and I hope this for Spencer, is how is he going to respond, right? Mm-hmm. There was a short period of time where when that happened to me, I kind of threw in the towel. I said, oh, this was fun. I had a great career. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to hang out with my brother and my buddies. And, you know, I'll back Baker up for another uh, another year and, you know, move on with life. But then that competitive nature came out, and I said, no, I'm, I know I can play places. I've played a lot of ball. I, I want to go extend my career, and I did that. And in doing that, of course, it wasn't just going and playing ball, but it was an extension of my story. And so many things happened right when I got to A&M and during my time at A&M. It's like, God, you, you, you look back, it's like, God, just he knew the path that he had laid out for me, and I could not imagine it now with all the things that had happened, um, not having the opportunity to go down to College Station for that one year and extend that influence in that territory that we had prayed for so many years before. It's amazing, and I love the idea of you allowing God to move you where he wanted you to go, because I'm sure you may have had an idea. Maybe it wasn't Texas A&M. Maybe you had an idea to go somewhere else. Was there another school that you were considering, but then you listened to God and went to A&M, or was that your first choice all along? Well, it was definitely a, a player-led decision. Um, there was certainly other schools in the mix, and, and I wasn't dead set on A&M. The, the transfer portal wasn't around when I was going through this. So what I had to do was basically do some of my own research, get online, a geography, situation at quarterback, who's the offensive coordinator, all, all these different things that went into it. And I made a list of about 15 schools. I then took that list to our compliance department, and they sent out a letter to each of those schools. And that's kind of how you got the ball rolling. Now, with social media and everything, once one of those schools gets that and it kind of gets out there, well, now everybody's calling. And I didn't know. I, I didn't know if it was going to be like a, a North Texas and a, or, a, or a Tulsa, you know, just a little bit smaller schools, or if it was going to be like a Texas A&M or an Auburn or an LSU. And, and I was really excited with some of the phone calls that I was getting. Um, I would say my final three that I had an opportunity to go to was Auburn with Gus Malzahn, LSU with Les Miles, and then Texas A&M. And that happened a little bit later after Tyler and Kyle uh, left. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. So, um, but so it had these three amazing schools to choose from, and um, a, a, a big part of it was Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley. Both of them said, "Hey, selfishly, we want you to stay here. We love your leadership. We love you know, we love you. We all these things. But if there is a place that you're running towards, we want you to go do it." 
And that was really Lincoln saying that. He explained it that when he was uh, at East Carolina, there was multiple other opportunities for him to go be a head coach somewhere, but he never felt like he was running towards them. Um, he, he gave me that piece of advice, said, hey, if there is an opportunity where you're running towards it and it's going to be a great opportunity for you, go take it. And obviously Kevin Sumlin, the head coach at a and at the time, was on Bob Stoops' staff for a while. Yep. So that made it a very easy conversation. And uh, I felt like I was running towards it. And so I made the leap and um, wasn't promised to be the starting guy, but went down there and, and worked my tail off. And um, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Well, and really a, a, a really good season. Now, there was, a, there was an injury issue uh, towards the end of the regular season. Um, was that the first now is, was the back issue that you had, um, uh, a year or so later, was that related to the issue that you had, um, at A&M or was that even a back issue? So I had a neck issue at Oklahoma. I had a couple issues at Oklahoma, uh, shoulder issue. I dislocated my shoulder, I think seven times throughout a couple of those seasons that I was playing at Oklahoma. And I, I just played through that. Um, then I got essentially temporarily paralyzed against Baylor in 2014, got started off the field and was out for a couple weeks, tried to come back and play in a bowl game against Clemson. Um, and, and that was, you know, just a nightmare of a game, which essentially led to, you know, bringing in Lincoln Riley after we got rid of our offensive staff that year. Um, and then, get down to A&M, I, I hurt my throwing shoulder against Mississippi State. Uh, we were 7-1, and one, number four in the first college football playoff rankings, and we went down to uh, Starkville and lost that game. I was out the next two games and, uh, and then came back for senior night. And we lost to LSU, and then uh, we ended up losing our bowl game to Kansas State. So started off as a really, really good year. We were 6-0. and oh. Um, and then, you know, with injury and some other things, we ended up eight and five, which, um, you know, that obviously those type of things haunt you because that's, you only get a couple seasons to, uh, leave your mark, mm-hmm. but overall still incredible season, incredible teammates and, and amazing for me to go extend my dream and, and my career playing down at a and Now I'm going to back up just a little bit here and go back to OU because I've got to ask the question. And I know you're a you're a married man now, and your wife may hear this, and she's not going to want to hear you, you know, go into any great detail about, uh, you know, Katy Perry and and the daughter from Duck Dynasty. But there was a time there when you were at OU that that you were kind of like the most eligible bachelor, you know, in in the United <laughs> States. And so, you know, talk about at least those two women that that caught headlines and what happened there. Yeah. That- well, you know, that's kind of what a part of what makes college football so fun, right? It's just the fanship, the passion, and then some fun little things like that. Um, I tell you, I, I get more questions regarding the Katy Perry deal than any game I ever played in the past I ever threw, anything, period. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, Katy, Katy Perry, she was picking our game against TCU. She was in Oxford um, at the Ole Miss game. She was a celebrity picker, and, you know, she gets on there and, and says, you know, Trevor Knight, call me. Well, of course, my phone's blowing up. Blake Bell was my roommate. We were watching it live on TV, you know, prior to our game, and he's jumping around on the bed going <laughs> crazy. And, 
It was. Uh, well, she had a picture of you too. Didn't she have she a, had a picture of me? Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it was cool because, um, you know, a lot of people from high school and growing up that I would really have no other reason to talk to just because you grow apart. And, um, but you are connected on Facebook or whatever, you know, they'd see that and they'd send it to me. So it, it allowed me to honestly catch up with a lot of people. It was fun to talk about, but, yeah. uh, that was fun. Uh, still get a lot of questions about that. And then, yeah, the, the Duck Dynasty, um, Sadie, we, we, uh, we hung out a, a few times and amazing girl, amazing, amazing woman of Christ. And what she's doing in her ministry now is, is fun to watch from afar. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, those types of things were fun going through, going through the college football landscape. Well, and listen, it's, it's not like things dropped off for you and we'll get to, we'll get to your, your former Dallas Cowboy cheerleader wife here in a minute. Uh, but I want to go back to the NFL draft. And you had already mentioned that playing in the NFL wasn't, you know, the main goal for you. You wanted to play college football, but now all of a sudden there's a, maybe an opportunity to play in the NFL. You went undrafted, uh, but signed to play with um, Arizona. And so tell me about that. Was there then a time where you thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll get drafted? And the NFL is going to be my next phase of life. Yeah, based off of um, the NFL Combine, which was an amazing experience, and uh, and I performed really well there. Um, I was essentially first in every statistical category and every event at the Combine, uh, other than maybe one, in, in, amongst all quarterbacks. And you had Pat Mahomes, you had Deshaun Watson, you had, I mean, you had some big names there, right? Yeah. Um, between that and then I had a good throwing session at senior day and, um, you know, it worked out for a couple teams and based off of conversations with my agent and those teams, you know, a lot of them are saying, Hey, you, you know, you may be a later round pick, but we want to take you. We want to take you all the way up until, you know, day three of the draft. I'm sitting there on the phone and I've got, you know, several coaches texting me, Hey, we've got a pick coming up here in the sixth round. We're going to take you. And it just continues to go by, and it doesn't. It doesn't happen. And so I was. I thought I had a chance to be drafted. Um, I, I had. Uh, I had hoped and, and prayed that that would be, um, you know, part of part of what happened for me. And it didn't happen. Um, but I did get the opportunity to sign and go um, and be a part of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I, I played pretty well. I practiced really well. I played pretty well, and then I just did not play well in our last preseason game. Ended up getting cut there, which odds were stacked against me, and then signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I was sitting behind Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub, um, and so I was the number three guy. Again, thought I was doing very well in practice, thought I had a chance because those were two older guys to stick around there and and potentially play for a while. And then I ended up uh, hurting my back at at a practice, which led to going under the knife and having back surgery uh, a couple weeks later, effectively ending my NFL career. Uh, it was about nine months of rehabilitation, and I had the opportunity to work out for some teams after that. Even went and played in the Alliance of American Football League, and it just wasn't the same. So that was mm-hmm. the kind of the demise of my football career. But uh, still, pretty cool to go through that process. When you look back at that at that decision, 
in the NFL because my understanding, and you can tell me if that's right or wrong, there were some teams that asked if you would play something other than quarterback and you stuck to your guns that you were a quarterback. Do you look back at that and think, well, maybe I should have done something different? I don't. No, I've, I've played quarterback my entire life um, from the time I was a little guy all the way up through college, and that's, that's the position I played. Was I an athletic quarterback? Yes. Um, I think certainly the numbers that I put up at the Combine is what piqued a lot of people's interest of, hey, if he doesn't end up making a quarterback, he can play anything else. He's fast. You know, he can jump. He, he's got kind of all the tools to just be a Taysom Hill or whoever else. And uh, sounds all great. It, it makes a good storyline. But in the day, I played quarterback, and that was what I was pursuing. And was you know doing it at the highest level in the world, and um, it just not, you know it didn't work out for me long term. But I don't have any regrets about it at all. So tell us about life as a married man. How did you meet Lacey, and um, how long did you guys date before you decided to get married? Yeah, this has been uh, easily the most rewarding and fulfilling season of life thus far. Uh, marriage is incredible. Um, we're almost at a year and a half. We've got a little baby boy on the way that's due in March, and um, it's been just an absolute blast. But Lacey and I met through mutual friends um, while she was just starting to cheer for the Cowboys, and we were essentially just friends for a better part of four years. We'd check in every once in a while and see how each other were doing, but we were both chasing our dreams. I was you know, playing ball and, and um, at Oklahoma and then, and then at A&M and then, you know, the NFL. And she was chasing her dance dream of, of you know, being a professional cheerleader. And, uh, and so it's cool how God allowed us to be friends and kind of be a part of each other's lives in a very small way, um, but was not ready to quite turn that switch on to where we would pursue each other and figure out that that's the person God had for our lives um, in marriage. And so after she decided she was going to retire, and while I was healing up essentially from back surgery, we started to talk a little bit more frequently. Um, I got done playing in the Alliance of American Football. We were now dating at this point, and I drove straight to Dallas, which is where she lives, and uh, it was her birthday the next day, and that was pretty much it. Uh, we celebrated her birthday with a bunch of friends, I went back to San Antonio, worked out for a couple more teams, didn't get a call back, and got a job in Dallas, moved up here in 2019, and um, Lacey and I continued to pursue each other, and we got engaged at the end of 2019 in, uh, in December, and then married this past June in the middle of, uh, in the middle of COVID of 2020, and uh, so now we live in North Dallas together. We bought a house up here uh, in January. She's killing it, teaching dance, um, doing doing private lessons, essentially. She also does a little Pilates instruction just for fun. And uh, and we're just gearing up for our little man to come along in March of 2022. Now, have you, have you already come up with a name, or is that still to be determined? It's still to be determined. We, we're at the point right now where we find one we think we like, and we'll call him that name, you know, refer to him as that name for about a week. <laughs> and if it sticks, which one hasn't yet, you know, maybe that'll be the one we go with. But right now we haven't 
put our stamp of approval on what that name's going to be yet. So hopefully we figure that out soon. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, my wife and I, she wanted a different name for my son, Cole, and I wanted Cole. And so we're watching Florida State play football, and they had a kicker named Cole Ford. And I and it was he was attempting a game winner. It was like a 50-yarder. And I said, hey, if he makes it, we go with Cole. If he misses it, we go with your name. How about that? She agreed. And so then, you know, all the, all the way up until the birth, right, then all of a sudden the, the nurse comes over. She's been in labor, right? She's the one who gave birth to this little baby boy. And, and then she says, well, what's, what's his name? And I said, Cole. And my wife goes, not so fast. And I was like, you know, I, what, how am I going to argue, right? She just went through labor. And I went, okay, so... She said, we'll just, we'll give you a name in the morning before we leave. And so it ended up being Cole. But I just thought, you know, even if you, if she agrees to a name you like, after she goes through labor, that may change. So just be prepared for that. <laughs> there we go. That's an amazing story. I need, to, I need to find a name I like and figure out if there's a kicker in the NFL then. Yeah, That's and make sure he's a good one so that, you know, chances are that he'll make the field goal. All right, now listen, right. before I let you go, I want you to tell our listeners um, you're a part of a really good podcast. Uh, you and Bryce Petty, former Baylor and NFL quarterback, uh, talk football. How can uh, folks uh, tune into your podcast? Yeah, so Bryce and I are doing uh, our podcast called The Trevor and Bryce Show, which you can find um, under our, uh, essentially the platform is called the Field of 12 Media. You can search Trevor and Bryce Show on YouTube. Um, we also put it up on, on our individual Twitters each week. Um, and we cover the, the Big 12. It's um, a Big 12 football podcast. We talk about everything that happened that week in the games. We talk about, you know, like this week, it is, Gary Patterson got let go as a head coach at TCU. So we'll, we'll unpack that. It's just a lot of fun. It's, it's casual. It's something that you can listen to. Um, on your way to work or, or sitting down in the evenings uh, if you just want to get some updates on, on everything happening within the Big 12. And, of course, we share our stories and thoughts of our time playing in the Big 12, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Bryce, my esteemed colleague, I call him, um, is, is awesome. He's got a lot of cool knowledge of the game, but also a lot of great stories and success stories of his time at Baylor and, then of course, myself uh, at, at Oklahoma. So, Love it if all you guys out there listening would tune in and let us know what you think on Twitter. Twitter, We'll interact with you, and uh, we'll chat about a little Big 12 football. Now, where can uh, people find you uh, on social media? So my, my Twitter handle is at Trevor underscore Knight 9, and I'm constantly retweeting Field of 12 and uh, Trevor and Bryce show uh, content on there. And, um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll post the link tree from time to time that shows you where you can get it on Apple Podcasts or YouTube or what have you, anywhere you can get your podcast. My thanks to Trevor for being a part of this podcast, and we wish him nothing but the best.